Is that on? <laughs> Can everyone hear me? Hi, everybody. Uh, we're just starting a couple minutes late, so uh, we're staying mostly on time. That means uh, Evan Smith's not going to dock my food later. That's good. Uh, hello, everyone. On behalf of the Texas Tribune, I'm very happy to welcome you to the sixth annual Texas Tribune Festival and to the God and Governing Should Faith Inform Politics panel. Uh, my name is Ben Philpott. I'm senior editor at KUT News, the NPR station here in Austin. Pleased to be joined on stage uh, today by Bishop Andy Doyle of the Episcopal Diocese of Texas, along with State Representatives uh, Eddie Lucio of Brownsville and State Representative David Simpson of Longview. Uh, we've, uh, we've lost one representative. Uh, a plane was canceled, so we're down one today, but uh, I think everything will still be all right. Um, Pardon the short introductions. I wanted us to go ahead and jump in as quickly as possible. I think this is going to be a very interesting discussion, although there is a little bit of housekeeping to do. Uh, today's panel will last about 60 minutes. It will include a 15 to about a 15-minute Q&A session at the end. So get those questions ready, and you can see the microphones in the middle of the aisle there uh, to ask the questions from. Uh, please silence your phones. Remember, this is a panel on faith and religion, so you will be judged for your obnoxious ringtone. <laughs> Uh, but please don't turn your phone off. We do love it when you tweet about uh, the Texas Tribune Festival events. So if you're going to do that, please remember to use the hashtag TTF. Uh, and one more thing before we get started. Uh, full disclosure, as we're doing this panel today, uh, Bishop Doyle is my bishop. Uh, he's, uh, he, he lives in Houston. That's where the, uh, the cathedral is located, but it does also include Austin. So, so there you go. Take that for whatever you want. Um, uh, but I'm going to pick on Andy first here uh, because he is the person that, despite having two lawmakers up here, he's the one that's made news most recently. Um, this week, Governor Greg Abbott uh, said that the state was pulling out of the U.S. Refugee Resettlement Program. The Episcopal Bishops of Texas, uh, along with other groups, but they, the Episcopal Bishops of, uh, Bishops of Texas issued a response on Thursday saying they did not support the decision and used their faith as a reason that Texas should stay in the program. Here's a quote from their release. As Christians, we follow a Lord who calls us to care for those who suffer and to show our love for God by loving our neighbor. Our scriptures teach us that in caring for, quote, the least among us, we are caring for Jesus and that, quote, perfect love casts out fear. So uh, there's a group of preachers using their faith to uh, nudge government in a direction. Um, I have not asked the lawmakers here on stage where they stand on Governor Abbott's decision to pull uh, the state out of this resettlement program, but now I will, kind of. Where does your faith, and either one of you can kind of jump in, where does your faith lead you on this issue? Mr. Simpson, if you want to go first. Sure. Well, faith does inform uh, politics, whether we acknowledge it or not, I'll start there. And I believe it should. And I'm grateful for the pastors and their input. Um, I, I do think the governor has concern um, uh, that it may we may be overwhelmed. Um, I believe it was the federal uh, attorney general that, that spoke about um, some difficulties there, understanding who we're receiving. And we have been overwhelmed. There, there are limits and I wrote an op-ed uh, uh, a couple of years ago after going to the border. I do believe there's a place for compassion, and especially dealing with people that are fleeing prostitution or murder. On the other hand, there are limits. Um, 
And I do think this is primarily an issue for the church and not for the state and for individuals. And if the state is going to facilitate that, I do think they have to understand the limits and it should be voluntary. And we need to take care of our own jurisdiction first. And in case people don't know exactly what he was saying there at the end about leaving it to the church, this is something where nonprofit groups and others are going to step in and assume the role that the state has been playing. So, um, so in that sense, is it, well, no, that's a policy issue. Let's not get into that. Um, how about you, Representative Lucia? Uh, well, let me first say I feel extremely underqualified uh, to be on this panel. When Evan first called me and said, we want you to talk about on a panel about God and government, I swore he was trying to reach my father and not me. Uh, so sitting between a bishop and David Simpson, a man of extreme conviction and consistency regarding his faith, uh, again, I feel very underqualified. You know, I, the Tribune has interviewed us before, interviewed me before on this topic. And, you know, inevitably, our moral compass is influenced by our upbringing. And if we're brought up in a house of, of faith, like I was, Catholic faith, it is gonna have an impact on how you see the world and how you do your job. Uh, you know, that being said, I think we need to be mindful that although I'm Catholic and that's the lens that I see the world, um, the, the decisions I make impact many faiths and many people and many beliefs. And, um, as long as I approach each decision, understanding that I have to do so in a way that's inclusive and that respects various people's beliefs uh, and is right for Texas and is within the jurisdiction of what I'm supposed to be doing as that elected office and not reaching beyond in order to incite political favor, then I'm doing the right thing. And my moral compass will say we need to help people. Uh, so, so that. On, on that specific issue regarding refugees, I live on the border. I have friends who are in the business of caring for unaccompanied, undocumented minors. And as tough as we think we have it, even our poorest of the poor here uh, really do not compare to some of the stories of these people, these kids that I've seen firsthand coming from the most uh, incredible conditions that you can imagine. So when I it's basic humanity, uh, and I say that we need to do what we can to help them. At least get basic care um, and let the legal system work that out. But when they get here and we receive them, they're in the most dire need uh, that you can imagine. So that. Uh, so the state's working to facilitate uh, a transfer of all this to nonprofits. Is that, uh, is that a good solution? Well, I think, I mean, one of the pieces, one of the reasons why we felt like we needed to make statements is actually nonprofits do the vast majority of the work under resettlement, uh, at not the state. Uh, the state does facilitate that. Um, uh, and I think part of it was just to say, uh, I mean, and, and, and the resettlement program through the Roman Catholic Church, for instance, is the largest in the state uh, participating in this. And people who are on the front lines, uh, many of them church members uh, who are taking people into their homes, uh, or providing homes for people, uh, all of them needed to know that they weren't going to be abandoned by uh, the leaders, uh, the faith leaders uh, in the state who were, who were really interested in, in supporting this. And, and so it, we, we actually were at dinner for, a, um, uh, for something the other night with the judicatories in Houston. This, was, this occupied a huge amount of our concern. And so, 
you know, I think the biggest, there, there are other policy pieces with this, but part of it is just to say as Texans, uh, which, who settles a huge number of refugees, by the way, uh, compared to the other states, we've always been incredibly generous uh, around this. Uh, we believe Texas is better because of the diversity that's here, both religious diversity uh, and, and ethnicity. And so, you know, we, we see that it's a really important, uh, important piece. The other thing I think is, that was important to say is it's not like resettlement's going to stop. Right. You know, so some of those conversations around fear about keeping people out and something like that, but he didn't stop it. No. Right, so, so it was to say, wait a minute, we're going to rise above the fear and talk about the hope of the future of the people of Texas, which involves a lot of people who are going to come here to make Texas a better place. So, you know. um, so uh, you talked a little bit, uh, Representative Simpson, about leaving it to the church for, or leaving it to group, other groups to work on some of that stuff, but it seems that sometimes there is a, there is a complaint that some will lodge that the legislature at times is trying to legislate religion instead. Of, and then at the, at the next turn, they will say, no, no, let's leave something up to the church. For the two of you, where is your, where is your personal line of demarcation that says I am, you know, on this side, you are using your faith to inform how you do your work in the legislature. And on this side, maybe you're legislating your religion. Well, I don't think we can legislate religion. I, Religion is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of faith. If it's forced, it's not true faith. It's not sincere. I, I believe that there is a place for, for government, but it's small. It's limited. It's, it should have a role when you harm your neighbor and don't rectify it. That's when the civil government should enter in. Otherwise, we should leave people free to believe, to repent, to love their neighbor, to live as they please, as long as they don't harm their neighbor. Now, when we require people to put other people up and to take care of them, I don't think that is the government's role. I think that's the church's role. I think that's the family's role. I think it's the individual. Uh, for me to take a $100 bill out of each of your pockets and then take go down to another part of Austin to hand those out, I would be stealing from you, but I could also say it was charity. Now, it would be my place to take my own money and to go and to give it, but it would be voluntarily. It should not be a matter of force. I think the role of government is force. It's justice. And, and so there are overlapping jurisdictions, but I do believe that basically government should stay out of the way and leave the work of charity uh, as charity and not try to do it by force and require people to do it for others. I'm all for doing it, but doing it in the right way um, and voluntarily. I, I have a follow-up, but if you want to yeah. go ahead and answer first, you may. Well, You're the moderator. I, and I know that both, so both of you are in the state house, not the state right. senate, but the reason for passing campus carry was because it was a God-given right. <laughs> I mean, that, that is what Senator uh, Birdwell said over and over and over again. Is that legislating your faith, your religion? Well, okay. <laughs> I, I... So uh, <laughs> this same question was asked to me in the video interview I did. And I said, if you went back 2,000 years and had a conversation with Jesus Christ about whether it's our God-given right to have a firearm, I don't think you would have 
a conversation where he would agree with that. I think he preached peace, if I remember correctly. Uh, so, you know, whether it's our constitutional right is one thing. Right, that's, yes. But God-given right to carry a firearm? You know, my, my, my you know, putting everything in a box as is impossible if it's right or wrong, right? I mean, if you take every possible circumstance or every possible situation and say, is it right or wrong? Well, there's a lot of gray. And I kind of think of that when I go into the legislature and whether or not God is, is, is guiding my hand and I'm, I'm legislating my faith. You take every issue as it comes up and you, you're aware of, of you know, where that feeling is coming from when you're voting on an issue. But you know, take the gun issue for an example. That, that's not something we should say it's our God-given right or we, that should be guided by faith. That should be a very practical thing that we should legislate, right? Uh, there were no concessions made on that bill. You know, people said, and it was questioned by the Tribune is, well, you come from an area that, that polls 95% pro-NRA issues. And I said, that's right. I also didn't get one phone call asking me to pass campus carry or open carry, not one. Because I don't think that many of the people down there thought that that was needed or practical. And when we try to work on things like safety holsters, additional training, background checks, no concessions were made. Uh, no reasonable conversations could be had. It was gonna be a clean bill and that's it. And then we're graded on whether or not we voted on it in the end without any reference to the fact that the reason I didn't vote for it was because they didn't do things to protect the general public, in my opinion. What I said was, I weigh 155 pounds. There's many people here, including half the women that could probably beat me up. <laughs> so if I have you know, a firearm on my side, I'm 155 pounds, and a man that outweighs me by 100 pounds wanted to take it away, I'm pretty sure he could. So although I'm in my right mind, that person who wanted to take the gun away from me may not be. But to say that uh, I'm not going to have a debate about it because God is forcing my hand to vote for, for uh, open carry or, or campus carry, I think, is not genuine. I think it should be a constitutional debate and a debate about public safety. Uh, They're doing great, well, by the way. <laughs> this is they great. are. This is, I'm just glad I have stuff written down. Um, so you've heard kind of the views from these lawmakers on how they feel faith should lead them in the legislature. Um, where do you, and you can speak for yourself, you can speak for anyone else if you want to, but where do you and other religious leaders uh, want legislative help? Huh. That's, I mean, I think that's an interesting, that's, an, that's a really interesting question uh, to ponder because I don't ever think about that uh, at all, uh, actually. Um, until we have issues where we're actually forced to uh, legislate within our own organizations uh, that should be freedom, should be free, excuse me, from, from the legislatures. So, so for instance, the open carry is a great example of that, where I was then forced to erect on all of our churches uh, under great expense signs that, that basically said we would be a peaceful place where people could worship without weapons, which actually goes back several millennia uh, in terms of, of temple worship and Christian worship. And so, you know, that's a place where, where in some way, however the debate happened, 
they infringed on us and made us have to do something that we had uh, understanding about. It gave us a great opportunity to have to talk about that. I got a ton of heat, uh, literally, from, from people writing and calling about, about that, that kind of a decision. You know, I think that the, the responsibility of the government uh, to work in a virtuous way for the common good, uh, especially the, the local uh, city governments as well as the state governments, is, is essential for us. But I represent that, I mean, I, I recognize that as, as a Christian, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not the only faith in the room, uh, and that we need to really listen to everybody, even those who don't have a, a, a sense of faith or uh, who are humanists, and, but have this great sense of wanting uh, the human uh, community to be the best it can be. So, you know, I think the, the continued focus on that is a much higher uh, purpose uh, for us when we, when we think about the work at, at the government level. So if anything, you know, I don't know how to solve immigration, for instance, through policy. I have some theological ideas about immigration and how some, some pieces of the conversation that ought to be had if we're going to talk about that. But I, but, I, but I really also kind of want to allow the policy to be done by people who have the very best intentions for the people, the whole people of the state of Texas. Not to take anything away from the work that the legislature does, but it sounded like a little bit of that answer was um, uh, you maybe find more effective conversations at work at the city and county level on some issues that the church is involved in. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think the collaborate, we really are pressing right now in the Episcopal Church in our region to collaborate with NGOs of every kind, uh, faiths of every kind, uh, non-religious organizations, to figure out how to partner to make our cities and our towns the very healthiest, uh, best communities that they can be. And that's, that's out of a sense of, of common mission of shared neighborliness with them, uh, not out of some sense of wanting them to come, oh, now you all will all come be Episcopalians. It's really just to say that we have a very high common understanding that our value is always stronger when we're improving uh, the kind of intrinsic value of every human being that lives uh, near us and around us. So yeah, I, I really want to work more with the local than with the state. <laughs> uh, jumping back a couple of years, often during the debate on same-sex marriage, uh, there was a line that, that kept coming up with, with some who were um, uh, opposed to the idea, saying, you know, we need to leave marriage up to the church. Uh, and so in other words, the government should let churches decide uh, who they wanted to marry, whether they wanted to marry uh, same-sex couples, and so on. Um, but because churches and faiths and religions vary so much, don't we need an overriding state rule that keeps religion out of it? Isn't there a place in maybe that and other arguments where we need a secular state law to get around the issues of varying faiths? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take some pressure off my. Friends. Okay, no, so, I, so I, I don't mind just for a I second. I have no problem answering. I was okay. just really you were looking over at him too, weren't you? I, I'm ready. You know, the, here's the thing, I and I'll just kind of name it for myself. I do not pretend to live in a society where Christianity and politics are the same thing. The the, the idea of a theocracy is not appealing. To me, and in fact, Christianity has always abused any power that it's given in government. 
to oppress other people. We, do, we actually don't have a good track record of God and government. I mean, it's historic. I mean, it's historic, and, it's, and it sweeps through the whole thing. So I actually don't need that, and we have to have laws about marriage, right? So uh, the people can get married without the church. So you have to have laws about that are contractual agreements between individuals about property, which is, which is very much what marriage and some of its basic legal stuff is. So you have to have those laws. You, you cannot not legislate that. Now, I think what you said earlier, too, is everybody's conviction about that enters the room as those lawmakers are making that decision. But I need the government to figure out marriage. We'll do what we do because that's what we should do just like the other denominations will figure out, and, and even our own churches and priests decide whether they're going to marry uh, gays and lesbians, for instance, or not. Uh, we, we, in our diocese, in our particular diocese in Texas, we, we have a number of churches, a little over 20-something churches that do marriage for gays and lesbians. So, you know, but, but we found a way to live together to do that uh, out of a sense of unity and community that we're interested in actually belonging together and undertaking mission without division. Just to say, take a little bit of pressure off you guys. No, you know, it's, uh, you know the truth is I need you all to legislate. Uh, you know, that we, we have the Supreme Court deal with it, but, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, you have to do it. This is my stance on that. You know, I would never tell the church uh, what they need to do or not do regarding who they want to marry or not marry, because every, every faith is differently. But I believe that it was our responsibility to recognize and pass a bill uh, that would recognize same-sex marriage from a legal standpoint. I'm an attorney. I did a lot of family law for many years. And to think of two committed people, same sex, who uh, started a life together, who uh, were committed to one another, who cared for each other in times of need and in times of, of trouble, who may have adopted a child together, in the end not be able to have access to basic uh, rights uh, that, that a married couple would have in terms of benefits or when someone dies, all of a sudden someone that lived together for 30 years is blocked from making any decisions about funerals. It was just uh, something that I believe that we needed to address. Um, I, I don't understand prejudice against same-sex people, uh, same-sex marriages, same-sex couples. Uh, I, it may be a generation thing. It may be that I grew up around people I love that were gay. Uh, I, I don't understand the hatred that comes with that issue. These are people, loving, caring people uh, that are part of almost any family, if you, if you poll. And, and I just, I take very personally uh, that issue. Um, very close family members of mine impacted how I view that, uh, that whole uh, subject. And so when I see people go up there and go well beyond just saying whether or not we should recognize, but taking further steps to take away more rights, their right to congregate on a public school campus. There are other things that, that, that have been attempted in my 11 years in office. It's just mind blowing to me. Uh, so I hope that we become more tolerant. You know, frankly, and how that relates to, to God, you know, we all have our personal relationship with God. That is my compass. I know in my heart of hearts, and I've reconciled what I believe is right and wrong, and ultimately God will judge me one day. And I believe, despite some of the teachings of the Catholic Church, that God loves all people, gay, straight, whatever. And that at the end of the day, when we're all judged, he's gonna judge a person on who they are. 
and what they did to help their fellow man, and whether they were good people. Not whether or not they you know, were born uh, with a tendency to love someone of the same sex. And so that is the way I use my faith and my beliefs to legislate to say that we should recognize their ability to marry and have all the civil rights that same sex, that you know, traditional couples have had. Mr. Simpson, anything to add? I believe the, the state has a duty to recognize the truth. Uh, our, our Declaration of Independence, and right there in the second or third paragraph, uh, speaks about each individual uh, being endowed with certain unalienable rights, rights that cannot be separated from who we are, from our humanity, and, and among which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, or it could be understood to refer to that being property. But going back to guns, I think we, there's some room to talk about guns, but the fundamental right to protect life should be recognized by the government, and I think government was instituted to protect life. Um, and with respect to marriage, uh, the, the Scripture goes on, and it, it speaks about how we as individuals were made in the image of God, and it's very clear in Genesis 2 that were made male and female, and it repeats it. Um, I always wondered about that, why it needed to be so obvious. Uh, but that God, uh, we both sexes complement one another and to, to glorify our, our maker. Uh, we're made in his image, and we're free and responsible like he is. Um, I think the state has a duty to recognize that, uh, and it shouldn't define marriage. It should uh, recognize it. I, I introduced uh, or called um, for um, a, a special session uh, last uh, summer a year ago, basically to remove licensing of marriage from the government's activity. I don't think we should charge people to be able to get married. Um, I think that's something uh, that individuals, and particularly those of faith and the church, should be responsible for, not the state. Shouldn't charge a fee. Shouldn't define. Now, I do believe there's a place for the, the state in regard to settling disputes in marriage when there's been a covenant that's been voluntarily made, uh, and you have to settle that in a divorce for the sake of the children, for the sake of custody, uh, or for the sake of deciding an inheritance. There's a role for the courts in those manners. But otherwise, it really should stay out of the issue. It should recognize what marriage is. And, and in my judgment, uh, that's clear. It's a one man and one woman. Now, that doesn't mean um, that we should punish um, those who, who believe and practice otherwise. Uh, as long as they don't harm their neighbor. And that applies to a uh, man and a woman in marriage as well. It's the civil government's role is when you harm your neighbor and you don't rectify it. That's the point that the sword, power, should get involved. Otherwise, it should leave us free as individuals uh, to be responsible uh, in marriage um, and, I believe, in, in defending our life with respect to self-defense. You mentioned uh, 
in the answer, uh, Representative Lucier, in the answer on uh, uh, talking about the God-given right of guns, that that was something that kind of made the debate end, and you had to have the clean bill, God-given right, that's it. I wanted to bounce back with you on that. There's, you know, there was talk of, there's often talk of traditional beliefs when uh, we're using faith in government. Um, traditional marriage, of course, we've all heard that one. Um, but I wanted to ask uh, about the ability to accept something new without tearing down your faith. Um, Bishop Doyle, on your website, you have what you call a six-word autobiography. It is, met Jesus on pilgrimage, comma, still walking. <laughs> Does still walking give you the wiggle room to evolve on an issue? Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, the way we make decisions about issues is very different in, in some ways, especially within the Episcopal Church uh, versus some, some of the other uh, faith traditions. You have to go to like 13 vestry meetings. Yeah, there's just a that, lot. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, the, 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 uh, the reality is that, that I think um, there are some pretty consistent pieces uh, for me, uh, scripturally, that, that aren't changing, uh, that actually run uh, against political thinking. So, for instance, uh, it, it's the governments uh, should protect the right of an individual to, uh, to protect themselves. Actually, Christianity talks about giving away your life to another person. So it, it actually runs in conflict with that. Basic Christianity is about a man who loses a battle politically and is executed publicly uh, for his beliefs, uh, and and that's a uh, you know so it's a very it's a very conflicted way to be. I, I do think that there are uh, positions that we take that evolve. So even the church, the Episcopal Church, has a has a, a, a much larger uh, uh, understanding of marriage uh, between individuals today than it did. It is deeply rooted in an understanding of God's creation of all people uh, uh, and, and how that, you know, we don't think people make choices. So, you know, that we, we believe that God has created uh, people who are gay and lesbian. And, uh, and so the, the, the question is then how do you help them live uh, a life that is holy uh, for themselves uh, and so our church made a decision. Not everybody agrees with it. Texas, my diocese tends to be more conservative, but uh, we certainly have made room in, in, uh, within our community to accept people uh, who want to do marriages of same sex, for instance. But our church has, has evolved on that. And I think I have to stay open to what the, the spirit has moved. But again, I think there's some basic stuff. I mean, I'm, I believe in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. I believe in the Trinity. I believe that the scripture speaks a living word. I believe all of those things. But Episcopalians have never particularly uh, found a great deal of comfort with fundamentalism. And so we've always been willing to allow the spirit to continue to move and speak to us through a living word as opposed to a word that is a uh, sola scriptura or the idea that it's just scripture alone and that, that just anybody can do that. There's a lot, uh, a, lot of, a lot in there. So, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm open. Uh, and I, can, and I think my wife would tell you I'm pretty stubborn, too, so I don't want to kind of give the idea that, that somehow I'm just this, you know, uh, I'm open for anything. Uh, I think I'm a creative person and interested in the conversation, and I'm not afraid of people who have different opinions than I, than I do, and I think I have to learn from them. Senator Lucy, you talked again a little bit about the gun debate. Do you find at times on the floor 
that it is hard to have a debate if, um, can you, can faith help a debate as well as at times hurt it? Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you're smart about it, you know, so for example, you know, I have tremendous respect for the man to my right because he's consistent. He, he's not up there trying to act to gain political favor. He truly believes. Um, you know, and when I go to him and say, look, this is the right thing to do, I will tug on his religious strings <laughs> to help me get more money to feed people in after school programs or to put more money in, you know, social services or whatever it may be. Uh, so, yes, you can use it to your benefit. And I think God's OK with that, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but you, you don't want to abuse it, obviously. Uh, you you want to make sure that uh, the right thing to do in talking about looking at it through a certain lens and in a certain context is uh, still within your jurisdiction, right? You know, I don't want to pass laws that will make people do things that a certain religion believes they should be doing that are outside our traditional role of government, right? Um, so should I require that a person pray in school? and make them pray and stand and do all sorts of those things and require school districts to have an opening prayer before a football game. Is that our role as government? I, I don't think it is. I think it's more sincere when they do it because they want to, right? Uh, and, and it seems like we, we, we spend a significant amount of time on issues like that during session, uh, but yet uh, to college tuition's becoming more expensive uh, our infrastructure is aging. Um, you know, we're putting less money in education, doing other things. And if we were to just get back to our fundamentals, passing a budget and making sure the kids of Texas get educated and limiting our role, like, like Representative Sinson says, um, I think our state would be much better off. But we get into these issues and we get sidetracked every session. And it takes a, a lot of time and emotion and energy away from the work that we should be doing is to make the American dream uh, accessible for all Texans. Uh, so. Representative Sim, what, what's your take on that? Do you, do you, how do you feel faith helps or hurts as the debate goes forward in the House? I mean, Democrats are all cranky in general, but beyond <laughs> that. I'm happy. I, 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 I wouldn't say that. I, most of my bills have been bipartisan. and. I look for common ground, and, I, and that really is derived from my faith, because I believe that uh, there's several jurisdictions. Um, there's ultimately, the most important jurisdiction is self-government. Then you have the family, and then you have the church, and you have the state. And they do have some overlaps. We're all individuals. We're in each one of those, or most of us are. And, and even those who are not in a church, they do have beliefs about the beginning of the world, about who they are and who their neighbor is and what's right, what's wrong, what's true, and what's false. And those are matters of faith. Um, but with respect to civil government, I, I, it limits um, what I do and uh, what I'm going to uh, impose on others. And I think it should simply really be involved with justice, when you've wronged your neighbor, and uh, that there needs to be uh, justice or correction uh, if it's not been undertaken voluntarily. And there needs to be some rules that are commonly uh, enforced. Otherwise, they, can, they don't all dress.
drive on the same side of the road is going to be a little difficult if we're not some order. But I, I don't think we should do the job of the parent. I don't think we should uh, do the job of the church. I think the SOAR, civil government force, should be limited to the matters of justice. Um, and, and, and there are some things that we've agreed to do together, such as public education. It's a part of our, our Constitution, and, and we need to do it in the right manner. So uh, my faith limits um, what I want to do with force. I wish everyone would love the Lord Jesus Christ, but I recognize that they, that is a matter of faith. And, and pointing a gun at someone, if I had 181 votes and I was governor, I wouldn't make Christianity the law of the land. That wouldn't make anybody anything but a formalist and a Christ, uh, or a hypocrite. That has to be done voluntarily. And I think we need to remember uh, that there's a we are made to be free. And the only time there should be force involved is when we take away the liberty, the life, or the property from our neighbor. That's when government should get involved to secure those rights. So where is faith going to play a role in the 2017 legislative session? <laughs> Probably every bill we think about or vote on. Um, it has become a, a, a justification for either voting for or against things. Uh, and again, it goes back to, you know, I, I understand and I, you know, look back on my faith because ultimately I know I'm going to be judged one day uh, as, as part of my moral compass. But it's not the only thing that's part of my moral compass, right? It's not the only thing by which I, I view my role as a legislature. But, um, you know, we blur the lines too much in, in, in politics right now over uh, what should or should not be done or voted on or supported in the name of God. And we have these scorecards that are put out that uh, are we pro-gun enough? Are we, you know, pro-religion -re enough? And, and I just think that it distracts us from the work that we should be doing. I've had members, and, and David's not one of them. I'm, again, I've mentioned him before many times as being, you know, a standard by which people should have conviction. But I've had members tell me, look, I want to support your bill. I really do. I think it's the right thing to do, but man, the the report card will come out bad for me, and I need to. I just can't do it. But it's the right thing to do. You're, you're thinking right, Lucio, and then they go and vote against me, and I say, well, you know, that's not the con the conviction uh, that the Bible teaches us to have, right? Do things that are right, not popular. So, is it going to be at the forefront? I think we have some pretty serious issues this session, education, other things that, that it might not be as, as a religious a session, if you want to call it that, or centered around you know what the Christian thing is to do, but uh, it, it will be there as long as, as the, the makeup of the body is what it is today. Yeah, I think sometimes those of us in the press corps maybe have a different view. When there's less money, which we assume is going to be the case, it certainly appears it's going to be the case this session, um, unless there's a need for drastic budget cuts, when it's just kind of a get to the next session session, I think reporters start to think, well, this will be a session of distractions. Right. right. Um, it, it, but you, you feel like there are some serious issues that still will be worked on before the distractions begin, <laughs> which often do, you know, 
include bills on faith or religion or guns or? You, 90 Ninety percent of the things we do are things that we should be doing, right? Um, we go in there, we talk about how much money we're going to put uh, in infrastructure or different things. We do get off on a tangent sometimes, but ultimately, uh, cooler heads prevail, and we get the the work of the of the state done. I, I believe in our state government. I do. Um, my party's not in power right now, uh, but we are still given a voice uh, to to debate issues, and I'm grateful to Speaker Strauss for allowing us to stand up and fight for what we believe in. At least in the House, that's the way it is. I've never served in another body. You did call me senator. I'll take the promotion. Did I call you senator? Yeah, sorry. but it's okay. <laughs> I don't correct people normally when they call me senator. Uh, so, you know, leading up to next session, this will be my sixth. It goes by quickly. It really does. Uh, every session's a little different. Um, there's issues that dominate. It's never been the same. Uh, and I'm sure this session will have its its environment, its flavor. There are going to be plenty of bills, I promise you. We watch it. There'll be plenty of bills to make lots of religious leaders very nervous <laughs> about the state interfering at the local uh, church, synagogue, uh, religious level. There'll be a ton of them, and we will, we will sit there and watch as people uh, who are not trained in theology try to make very theological decisions on our behalf for the very best thing for me. So the, the, it's, a, it's a real issue. I, I, I would hope that they would take what you said very seriously, which is to stay out <laughs> of legislating how we run our churches and synagogues, which is not the state house's business at all. And I, and I, and I thought last night uh, in listening uh, to Kasich talk, uh, he said, you know, religious leaders have really done some damage uh, for the uh, meaning well, but have done real damage for people's faith. I actually think that when state houses and city councils begin to legislate theologically, they do really terrible things uh, in terms of people's faith uh, and their religion. And so I really, you know, I believe everybody should uh, practice and live out. You know, I think you walk in there, whether you're a, a Jewish uh, person, a Christian person, any kind of individual, you're gonna walk in and that's gonna affect how you, there is God in governing is what I'm saying. At the same time, we shouldn't be governing God. And that's the piece that I really want the state house to stay out of. If I could follow up on oh, that. Yeah, so, Mr. Senator, but oh. just real quick, you know, a lot of heads shook when he said, government should stay out of what churches do. And a lot of people agree. I think most people will say, yes, that's exactly right. But if I were to say, we should keep our faith out of what we do in government, it brings a lot of reservation. The opposite is not true. We as government should stay out of what the churches do, but we shouldn't bring, but I can't say we as elected officials should keep our faith out of governing. It's uh, an interesting it's thing, split. right? It's almost expected that you have it. it right, so there's got, you gotta have the same understanding that when we go in to affect the masses with various beliefs and various backgrounds, I can't just say my Roman Catholic beliefs are, should be the law of the land. And we shouldn't teach kids about any other form of practicing safe sex. Or we shouldn't teach kids uh, about um, uh, evolution or any other things that, that, that may be contrary because I know, I'm Catholic, and that's the way it is. Mr. Sims? Well, I'm, 
I'm not going to be in the next session. <laughs> but I've tried to shine a light and, and the Texas House. I was hoping to do that in the Senate. They might need more light over there uh, in the coming session. Um, but we've, we've played games a lot of times with the truth uh, and with our rules. Our rules are basically there in the House and in the Senate. I'm not sure they know that they have the rules, maybe until a couple of years ago. But... Um, <laughs> to enforce the Constitution. And we've played games with the clock for years, and I'm grateful now in the Texas House that we, we're honoring that. And, you know, we'd, we'd lie about it, bear false witness, and we'd, the, stop would the clock would stop for 20, 30, 40 minutes, sometimes go backwards in time. But we put a stop to that. I think fundamentally that's a, that's a faith conviction to me is that I should bear witness to the truth. If as individuals are in business, we were to lie about when we did something, we, we could go to jail. We could commit perjury in a court. Uh, but for many years, we just played around with it. And when it became the last day you could pass a bill, I've heard stories about it being 1159 for three or four hours till, till four in the morning until they passed all the bills, the leadership wanted to pass, and then they started killing bills. Um, it's the same thing with the budget. You know, we have $3 billion worth of dedicated funds that we said we're going to tax you for this purpose and use those taxes for that purpose. And we have undedicated. If you look at House Bill 6, it'll look like you're in Washington. And we basically undedicate all those funds and use it to fund other programs. We lie. And so my faith says, you shall not bear false witness. I believe when we do that, we cannot govern properly and that we need to enforce the rules. We need to tell the truth uh, about the budget. Um, a lot of my Republican friends said we only grew the budget by 3.6%. Well, that's not true. Uh, it is true if you look at all the federal funds. But in this last session, the funds that we control... Uh, general revenue grew by 12%. They won't talk about that. But we need to, we need to tell the whole truth. Um, and we need to speak about in the budget about the $1 billion worth of corporate welfare that we still have in the budget. And we need to speak about corporate welfare that we've allowed retroactively in spite of Article 1, Section 17 in our Texas Constitution, Article 1, Section 10 of our United States Constitution that prohibits ex post facto laws, laws that are retroactive. But we do that. We passed several of those bills this last session. And so that concerns me. And I think that's where we have to have you all involved to enforce the Constitution. And it's in both parties. And uh, we, we've got to remember our oath to uphold the Constitution. That's what I would like to see. I think that's a faith issue uh, that affects everybody and um, that we should deal with. Thank you all so much for answering my questions. We have a few minutes for questions from the audience. If you want to come back and step to one of the microphones. Yep, that's on. I heard you. Uh, okay. Oh, yep. <laughs> Hi, my name is Joanne Kim. I'm a student, Spanish student at University of Texas at Austin. Um, this question is more uh, really just a political. So um, 
some people that I've met said homosexuality is worse sin than any other sin. What's your opinion on that? Thank you. Boy, I'm glad I don't have to answer any of these. I'm just going to well, say Well, it's not really, I really should. Personally, I guess I have an opinion, but as a lawmaker, I shouldn't have an opinion. The only, the only thing I should weigh on, in on is should people of the, the same sex who are in a relationship be able to access the same civil uh, rights in terms of uh, benefits or what have you uh, as couples of, of different sex? You know, whether I, I, I don't believe it's wrong. You know, I believe that you're created in the image of God. And I've been taught that, you know, he's in control. And, you know, I, I, I dated this girl. And my wife's watching. It was a long time ago, baby, way before. <laughs> and and she, she had, you know, she, she took verbatim the things she was taught. And maybe that's the way it should be. I don't know. But... I remember her telling me, if you don't accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, you're damned to hell. And I said, okay, well, what about Jewish people? Sorry, they're all going to hell. I said, okay, what about the kid in Africa who's never met a missionary, who's never even heard the name Jesus Christ? They're all going to hell. And I said, well, that's hard for me to reconcile. I know that my faith teaches that. As Roman Catholics, that's what we're taught. But that's when I started to believe that I needed to be in a journey of my personal re relationship with God. And my personal relationship with God does not condemn people of the same sex who love each other and caring to hell. Now, it may condemn people of the same sex who are awful people and go around hurting other people to hell, but that's just what I believe. Now, we don't know. We'll know one day whether we're right or wrong. And hopefully it's a long time, because I got kids to put through college first. <laughs> That's me. I do believe that there are some sins that are worse than others, uh, based on our Lord Jesus Christ's own words. He said it would have been better that Judas had never been born. Um, he also spoke about the Pharisees um, and the, their self-righteousness. Uh, and uh, they, they, he had some pretty scathing words for the religious community that was outwardly righteous but were inwardly immoral. And there are other verses, and I'm sorry I can't remember them now, that do indicate that there may be varying degrees of, of, of uh, accountability for certain sins. But I, I think we have to remember that we're all sinners. We've all been made free and gloriously in the image of God, but we're also, we've also lied. We've taken from our neighbor without their permission and blessing. Um, we've done other things that, in our mind, but not with our hands. And Jesus held those things accountable just as much as actually doing them or, or, or the, the roots of doing them. So I do believe um, there are sins, uh, I'm not prepared to, to say which is which. Uh, I do think there's some scriptures that indicate that there are points when a society gets to where it can't acknowledge the truth, that God just gives it over and abandons it and lets people. The worst form of judgment is just when he lets you have what you want, 
with no consequences. When if you put your finger on the stove and you don't feel it burning, that's bad. When you feel it burning, it hurts, but at least you remove it. And not everything is right. Not everything is true. I mean, and government have, doesn't have a place of defining truth. It has a duty to recognize that two plus two is four. It's not three. It's not five. And it can say it's five or three, but that doesn't make it so. And we've got to remember, we don't make God. God made us. And so if God has said something's wrong or sinful, it's not to condemn. In fact, it's just to recognize that I've partaken, at least in my mind, if not with my hands, in those very acts, and that we need the mercy of God. And as a, as a lawmaker, I believe it's my duty to, in, in, that justice should be enforced blindly. I shouldn't give preference to this race or to that race or to a rich person over a poor person. But justice should be applied with blindfolds. If you remember, Lady Justice has a sword in one hand and, and, and the scales in the other, but her eyes are blinded. That is the role of government. It's not to make big corporations better than the small um, businessman or woman. It shouldn't pick winners and losers. And, and so, though, I, I do believe homosexuality is a sin, but I also believe lying is a sin. I believe adultery is a sin. I believe lust is a sin. And um, we're all in need of, of the mercy of God. Thankfully, he's given us that in Jesus Christ. Go ahead, next question. Yeah. Um, so, there is a poll I heard about from a few years ago that um, said 51% of Americans would not vote for an atheist. What is your opinion on this sentiment? Uh, uh, my guess is that we vote for atheists all the time. I may not know. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was on a panel yesterday with a couple of uh, Republican strategists who kind of said that maybe they're Republican nominee is. So, you know. You know, I, I, I think that that's a, again, um, you know, I, I just think it's a, it's a really uh, bad idea to elect people to public office uh, based upon whether they believe correctly or, or not about something like that. And um, so I just think that would be, that'd be a, a huge, a huge mistake. I mean, I, uh, in, in some sense, the, the great gift uh, of our society is the freedom to believe how you want to believe. Now, I'm, I believe I was baptized into a citizenship in a different kingdom, which is not the American kingdom. So I may have some ideas about how all that works, but it is a very different conversation versus being able to understand that the freedoms and rights that are given to us as Americans are very special in this world. And the freedom to believe or not believe is one of them. Absolutely. And, and so to elect, I think, you know, we, we do this all the time. I, I think the worst part is when people feel that they have to have some conviction in order to be elected. And I think that's the saddest and greatest travesty of the current system, uh, a, a way of being a political in our society today, is that, that it's based on believing correctly something, whatever the correct something is and that I'm going to vote for you based on your belief in that something. 
Uh, and, and we're all, all uh, my sense is that all of the parties, uh, across, every one of them, uh, uh, and the two major ones, all of them, it's all the same. Uh, it's, we, we're breaking up. I mean, we're actually moving geographically into communities that separate us from people with different opinions than ourselves. I mean, it's, it's an actual fact. So we, we are becoming more tribal and more separated from one another in this society than maybe we've ever truly been in some ways because we're able, even able to work in organizations and for organizations that think the way we do in a way we've never had uh, to do that before. So I can be in a law office where we all kind of have the same faith, for instance, as opposed to a law office where we're uh, able to have some conversation about different religions and everything. So it's just to say that I think one of the real tests for us is how freedom uh, is going to live on in this country and, and are we really going to be free to believe in different things? And do we have the capacity as an American people to build a community where we can have a conversation that's decent uh, despite the differing views on different things? Uh, you know, this is a great example of that. There are others around the country that are trying to do this. But, but this is the future. And if we can begin to actually legislate out of this center rather than out of uh, these kind of tribal groups, I think we'll do a lot better. Next question. Uh, you mentioned uh, that you would want to speak about rights as not grounded in uh, or deriving from God, but rather than from the Constitution. So we should speak of constitutional rights rather than God-given rights. My question, in a nutshell, is if nature, so I would add a little bit to that, if nature and nature's God are not the foundation uh, or basis of rights, um, but the Constitution is, and only the Constitution, doesn't that imply that rights are purely conventional or legal? And to take that a step further, because convention changes from place to place and time to time, doesn't that then preclude the position that humans have natural rights? And so we as Americans could not then advocate for our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world um, and say that they have natural and God-given rights because we can only speak about constitutional rights given to us by our own founding document. So if there is, if rights are not, to put it in a nutshell, if rights are not grounded in nature and nature's God, what is their basis for all of humanity? Well, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm misspoken. Uh, first of all, that was very eloquent. I don't think I could ever ask a question like that. <laughs> Is there a translator here? Just kidding. Uh, going back, I said the things we do in the legislature or in life are, are a product of our experiences and our moral compass that is made up of all uh, that we've gone through in life, including religion. Um, there are many, many things in what we do in the legislature that I don't believe have a should be directly linked to our faith, but somehow faith still gets interjected. And that's what I mean when we're talking about, I mean, I'm gonna be silly here, speed limits. Uh, inevitably, someone's gonna talk about, you know, their God-given right to speed. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we should completely abandon faith when we do anything, uh, but we should be realistic in how we approach a debate and not fall back on, well, I, I can't talk about that. I cannot have a conversation about how we 
prevent unwanted pregnancies uh, and, and do education or other things that, that could teach kids that there are multiple ways uh, from having unwanted pregnancies because my faith won't allow me to have that conversation. It's in those circumstances that I believe that uh, we have a duty to protect the health and welfare of our, of our state. And we should uh, overcome sometimes our tendency to, to, to close off because we've been trained in a certain way. And I'm sorry, we really don't even have time, but one more question. Sorry. Uh, my name is Shantae Walker, and I'm a recent graduate from the LBJ School. And just to start off, I am a Christian. Thank you. Uh, I am a Christian, um, and I believe that Christianity is believing in Jesus Christ and following his commandments. And what I noticed with these talks is they're very watered down. It's like everyone's kind of skating the issue, trying to be politically correct. Um, and I want to ask the question, is it right to follow and use faith for specific principles for political gain and ignore the others? Um, like I heard earlier, um, holiness is not what we think it is. It's what God requires. Um, so just things like that. So, And with that question, does that contradict what you say you believe? Well, the scriptures speak of in Exodus 21, or Exodus 18 and verse 21, that uh, when Jethro was telling his uh, father-in-law, uh, his son-in-law, Moses, uh, how to handle the judicial process with Israel to look out from among the people and to choose those who feared God, who were men of truth and who hated covetousness or unrighteous gain. And I think those are, those are matters of, that's a matter of faith to me. And I, I think it's fundamental because I want to do what's right, not just if I can get away with it from those who are watching me, but whether it's right in the eyes of God and according to his law. And that has to do with truth, um, not just perceived truth, but what you really know to be true, not just what other people perceive. And also that to prohibit doing things uh, for my personal gain. Um, that is not the place of, of government to do that. personal interpretation of what we think it is. Well, I, 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 you can't divorce the two. I mean, uh, it's just like when I hear your words, I'm interpreting them, I'm trying to understand them. I'm making an uh, estimate of what you, your intent was. So my, when I read Exodus 18 and verse 21, I am making an interpretation. I'm trying to understand what Jethro was saying, how Moses understood it in the context at that time. And then the principles that are there. We're not Israel. I don't believe in a theocracy except in the church, which is voluntary. And that's every tribe and tongue and nation. It's not simply Texas or the United States. Um, so uh, I, I believe uh, it's the Bible, but it's also my understanding of it as well. You know, I think the, a big piece for this for us in the Episcopal tradition is that that we have to read the scripture in community, that it takes a group of people to help me understand what the scripture is saying so that the spirit is actually moving in the midst of the community as we study, as we learn uh, together. Jethro, for instance, was not a member of the Israelite community. He's somebody from outside the community. Another example would be in the book of Jeremiah, uh, where Jeremiah encourages uh, the Israelites who have been had taken to Babylon actually work for the good of the Babylonians while they're there. 
you know, so, so it is just a sense that I think that there is, an, there is actually in the scripture, and you look at, at Jesus and how he walks and who he visits with, most everybody that Jesus spends the vast majority of his time with are not the religious leaders of the day. Uh, they are typically people who are outside of, of the community, the accepted community of the day. They're people who need uh, healing that are not getting it from the religious organization. So it is to say that uh, we have to be in community as we sort things out. Uh, and I think the scripture gives us in a variety of different places uh, a witness to partnering and listening and talking with people who aren't necessarily from our faith to work for the common, the common good. Now, I'm always going to come that come to that from a perspective of Jesus Christ uh, and my particular hermeneutic or way in which I read the scripture through his actions and his words. And so, you know, I have a particular way, but I, but I really depend upon others to help uh, shape that. Uh, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, very sorry. Um, we do. Uh, <laughs> Great job, buddy. We do have some things going on immediately Sorry. after this. There's food and drink waiting for us. The Texas Tribune invites you to join uh, us for a special courtyard reception at the AT&T Conference Center to recap the day uh, and, uh, you know, have hors d'oeuvres and a cash bar. Thanks again to my panel, Bishop Andy Doyle, uh, State Representative Eddie Lucio, and State Representative David Simpson. Uh, and thanks, y'all, for showing up this afternoon.